Well, good morning, Lord's Day, beautiful morning. It's a gorgeous day. Aren't we blessed in so many ways? We have freedom to be here this morning. There's many places in the world that Christians don't have the freedom to gather and to pray and to sing praises to the Lord and to worship the Lord God. And so we're blessed in so many ways. I know we have had such a wet, wet spring and um, many, many people are suffering because of it. It was a beautiful, beautiful anthem that we just sang. And I want to thank our worship team for um, leading us and igniting us to praise the Lord. The lyrics resonate so much with the song this morning in Psalm 121. I want to thank Pastor Rob for the privilege, the honor of being here this morning, asking me to come and to be in the pulpit this morning. Um, I want to say that I've known Pastor Rob and Paula for the 25 years that he's been your pastor. Karen and I have known them that long. We love them. I think you have a super pastor. We have heard him speak. We have heard him open up the word of God. Many times, he does such a skillful job. I can tell he studies the word of God during the week. Can't you see that? I mean... And, and the ease that he delivers the word to us. He loves you. They both do. They love people. They have staying power. God gets the glory. But you also, I commend you for staying with them, supporting them, praying for them, encouraging them, and serving and promoting the kingdom of God. And so I just thank the Lord so much for the wheelers and for the ministry that the Lord has given to them. Well, this morning, I want to look at Psalm 121. If you want to open your Bibles to the Old Testament, it's the songbook in God's Word. God's songbook, the Psalms. Psalm 121 we're blessed that we have the lyrics. We do not have the score, all right? We don't have the scores, but we definitely have the words to the songs. And maybe in heaven, we will be able to see the scores as they were actually written. Psalm 121, a song for the road. Well, this was this man's song for the road, okay? I want you to, let, I want you to hear this man's song for the road. This man had hopped into his brand new BMW. He was in his early 40s. He put the top down and he hit the interstate and this was his song for the road. That was his song for the road. And so as he hears Wipeout by the Safaris, he opens it up. He's up to 90 miles an hour, and sure enough, suddenly,
the red and blue lights are flashing behind him. So he has this quick thought. There's no way this cop can catch me. I'm in a BMW. So he opens it up further. 100, 110 miles an hour. That cop is still coming, and then he finally realizes, this is the most stupid thing I can do. What the heck am I doing? So he pulls his car over to the side of the road. The state trooper comes up, not saying a word, looks at the license, looks at the car. And he says, Mr., I'm at the end of my day, and it's been a tough day. It's Friday the 13th, and I definitely don't want to have to do some more paperwork. So if you can give me an excuse for the way you drove that I've never heard before, you can get out of it. And he thought quickly, and he thought, and he said, a week ago, my wife ran off with a cop, and I was afraid you were bringing her back. <laughs> Have a nice weekend, the officer said. Psalm 121, a song for the road, a song for the road. It's a song of ascents. You'll see that little inscription under Psalm 121. Psalm 120, all the way through Psalm 134, this was a compilation of songs that the Israelites would sing when they traveled from their home up to Jerusalem for a festival. The three primary festivals was Passover, Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And so they would sing these songs on the road. When they'd get to Jerusalem, as they climbed the steps up to the temple, they would also take a step and sing a song, one of these songs. That's why they're called the Song of Ascents. This particular song begins with the traveler asking a question. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, and the question is, where does my help come from? Here we have the traveler who is asking this question with great angst, apprehension. There is a fear and a fretfulness, a stress and a tension. Why would that be? Why is this person's blood pressure going up? Why are the parents thinking to themselves and saying to one another, how are we going to make it? We've got to go up to the festival. We want to go up to the festival. But as we lift our eyes up to the hills, and as we see that we have to travel to Jerusalem, the question is, how are we going to make it? What in the world is going to keep us from getting there? Implying what? There would be rugged obstacles for their journey. Obstacles abounded. 
The hills were alive with bad people. Remember when Jesus gave the story of the Good Samaritan? And even in that parable, that story, the man who was robbed and beaten and assaulted and left for dead, the hills abounded with scalawags, with burglars, with shysters. And so here's these parents with their children, and they're all going to travel up by foot because that's how they traveled. They walked it. So they lift up their eyes to the hills, and they know that they're going to Jerusalem. But there is an angst. There is a fear. There's a conniption. They're really, really worried about the trip. Not only are there bad people, but you'll notice that there's also demonism. In the hills, the mountains of Jerusalem at that time, there were shrines. There were groves of trees that had been planted. There were male and female prostitutes who would try to lure travelers into their worship experiences, their fertility rites, the hills were alive with demonism. And so if you're traveling and you want to make sure that you're not going to sprain your ankle, you're not going to slip on a stone, there would be a priest there that you could buy protection. If you wanted to make sure that you weren't going to get sunstroke, you would find the sun priestess or priest and you would pay for protection. If you didn't want the moon to stroke you at night, or cause you to become a lunatic, because that's what the moon was about. The phrase was moonstroke. The trip was so full of anxiety and tension, the worry. Some people on the way could even go crazy. So you'd go to a priest or a priestess, and you'd buy an amulet. There were nostrums, there were protections, there were enchantments that a person could buy. You lift up your eyes to the hills and you think to yourself, where's my help going to come from? How in the world are we going to make it to Jerusalem for the festival when there's bad people out there, when the hills are alive with demonism and Satanism? There was another obstacle of fear to add to the two, and the third was the terrain was rugged. How many of you have been to Israel? One, two, three, four, five of us. There are so many rocks and boulders in that country. <laughs> the vegetation now, one of the things about going to Israel, there is so much irrigation on the plains. The plains are alive with vegetation. The kibbutzes, where people live and plant their gardens and raise their food and eat off the land. It's so, so much different today than it was then. But the live, the, the country is full of rocks and they traveled by foot. Not only did they have to worry about crooks and criminals and scalawags and Satanism and demonism, they had to worry about the rugged terrain children walking 
with the parents, walking in caravans because they would travel together for protection. They had to worry about sprained ankles, broken ankles. They had to worry about the sun, the sun that was so strong. And as they're climbing the elevation to going to Jerusalem, closer to the sun, more risk of sunburn. Not only was there, was there the, the sunstroke and the possible spraining of ankles, but there was the possible of lunacy. Some people went crazy on the trip. It's what the idea of moonstroke is. The tension was so great, some people actually went crazy. And so the traveler begins in angst and apprehension. His eyes go to the hills, and he's worried and concerned. They all are. How are we going to make it? To Jerusalem. The question is asked, but the question is answered. And notice the answer. All the angst and apprehension, the fear and fretfulness, it is displaced. The traveler is able to move from fear to faith, is able to be able to say, there is an assurance. We do have a belief. We have a strong confidence that we can make it. And the reason we can make it is because we will trust in who? The Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. He will give us free, free travel. In spite of the travel's advisory, the travel cries out, Folks, family, we can make it because we're trusting in the Lord. And so the song proceeds. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There was the fear that during the night we fall asleep. And because there's bad people out there. The Lord's going to protect us. He is going to be our guard. The Savior is going to be our sentinel. It goes on and it says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. The promise is that the Lord will protect. The Lord will keep. Six times the word keep, keeper, is mentioned. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great promise? That as we lift our eyes up to the hills and as we question the travels that we're going to make daily in our jobs, on vacations, as we travel, we don't have to fret. We don't have to fear. In faith, we can what? Believe with confidence that the Lord will protect us and keep us. But I got a question. As a Christian, have you ever had a flat tire? As a Christian, have you ever sprained your ankle?
as a Christian? Have you come down with cancer? As a Christian, have you been burglarized? Karen and I have been burglarized twice. Reminds me of this story. It's a man who broke into a house late at night, had his flashlight, turned it on, clicked it on, crossed the room, and he heard this voice say, Jesus knows you're here. He turned that flashlight off. He almost jumped out of his skin. His heart almost beat out of his chest. He stood there frozen. What seemed like an eternity, he finally then, not hearing anything, proceeded to move towards the computers that he saw on the table. And as he began to unclick the cords, he heard this voice say, Jesus is watching you. He turned that flashlight on and he... And there was a parrot in the corner of the room in a cage. And the burglar looked at the parrot and hissed and said, Did you say that? And the parrot confessed and said, Yes, I did. I just want you to know that Jesus is watching over you. <laughs> yeah, right, the burglar said. And who are you? What's your name? My name's Moses. Moses? What kind of people would name a parrot Moses? The kind of people who name their Rottweiler Jesus. You know, the song tells us that Jesus protects us from all kinds of harm, dangers. And you know, every day the Lord protects you and me. Just imagine driving your truck, your car on the road, and you're in the center lane going north, and there's another car in the center lane going south. And you have how many feet between you? And you make it home at the end of the day, I do, and again, the Lord protected. How many hours, minutes, days, months of our lives has the Lord protected us? Gargantuan amounts of time. This song is not promising that the Lord will protect us all the time from harm and danger. But what this song is promising is that the Lord is always with us even in that harm and hurt that we have. Yesterday, we were at Marion Hills Bible Church, and this last year, Karen and I have had the privilege of 
filling in in the transition. They're without a pastor, and it's a very small church, but Sunday after Sunday, we get to be there. Yesterday, they had a chalk fest. They're on High Road. What a great name for a church to be. Plainfield and High Road. It's a little white church with a steeple. I finally got a church to pastor with a steeple. <laughs> so we were there, and the street was blocked off. <clears throat> the village allowed Darien, allowed us and Darien to block it off. And so people came, and they got their chalk, and they drew on the, on the street. And the mayor came, and he judged the drawings. It was a gal I ran into, and she had gone to this church when she was a little girl, was not going presently, but she was visiting with me and she opened up and felt she could talk to me and she had told me about the breast cancer battle that she's been going through and that she's had seven surgeries. And she said, through it all, I have, I have sensed strongly that the Lord has been with me and that the Lord is giving me strength in three months, I'll have my next checkup, and if I'm clear, it's been a year. I said, what you're talking about is the song that I will be sharing with the congregation Oak Lawn tomorrow, Psalm 121, a song for the road. And this is the song for the road. As you and I are pilgrims in progress, we always, as we look to the hills, and as we question, how are we going to make it through this problem that we're facing? How are we going to get out of this situation? We have to look to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Because he will protect us, and he does. But sometimes he wants us to go through the difficulty. Because that's what the pilgrim in progress is about. We grow by challenge as well as support. The Lord gives us support, but the challenges of life are different. I know of someone who was at a job site, <clears throat> and he put both hands in his pocket, and a plumber came up and dropped his bag right next to him. And he didn't know the plumber's bag was there. And as he was talking to someone else, he happened to move to the left and he didn't know the bag was there and he tripped and he fell. And you know what he did? He tore. He tore it up. And he ended up having surgery. He loves the Lord. He knows the Lord. How come the Lord didn't protect him there? from tearing up his rotator cuff. How come? Because this man grew in faith by going through the therapy and the difficulty. The Lord said, in this world, you're going to have difficulty. James starts off with this, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various difficulties. Count it joy. Count it. Say, I will be joyful. I'm not happy, but I will count this for joy. Why? Because 
through the testing of your faith, your faith will get stronger. It will mature. And it will become more and more mature, growing to perfection. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with peripheral neuropathy in my feet. I have a constant chronic burning in my feet. It's painful. Lord blesses me that I'm able to sleep. And I do take gabapentin that helps me. It was a tough, 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 tough road to hoe nine years ago. 2010 was a very difficult year for me because I was challenged greatly. Why, Lord? I'm a pastor. I serve you. I love you. Is this going to go up my legs to my knees? Am I going to end up having braces? Will I be consigned to a wheelchair? All the fears that flooded my mind and my heart. It took time. It took time to come to terms with 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. Paul prayed three times for the thorn in the flesh to leave and the Lord said, no, 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 no. Nope. I'm not going to protect you from this thorn. You're going to live with this thorn. But be in this, be in this thorn, I promise you that I will give you a grace that you'll never, ever be able to experience unless you have this. And I have found that living with peripheral neuropathy, I have found a grace that God has given to me that I never, ever would have experienced if I didn't have it. I tell you these things because I want you to know that we're not exempt. A week and a half ago, I had a transjugular liver biopsy. Supposed to have sedation, like when you have a colonoscopy. My heart rate dropped so much I couldn't have the sedation. So as they went down the jugular and the wire is going down, I'm feeling that. And the doctor says, I'm sorry your heart rate is so low, but we're going to have to do this without any sedation. Are you okay? (laughs) Am I okay? (laughs) It's burning. I said, do it. And so they went down, and I'm conscious, and they did five clips of portions for my liver, and they finally took it out. You see, the Lord promises, I will protect you from, but even if I don't protect you from, I promise that I will protect you with it. I will be with you. And He is if you have Jesus as your Savior. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? When I was 19 years of age, for sure, I knew that I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior in the back of the sanctuary here at Oakland Bible Church. Here's where I went to kindergarten. 15 year, 14 years later, at age 19, I asked Jesus to be my Savior here at Oakland Bible Church. The Lord called Karen and I into the ministry, and I have not doubted that but I have had the Lord with me as he's with you. I trusted him as my Savior. I hope you have. The one who has the Son has life. The one who has not the Son has not life. As we come to the table of the Lord this morning, there is a fountain that's filled with blood. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's only Son, 
His father protected him, but you know what? The father also said, you must suffer for the sake of the salvation of a lost world. I will protect you and keep you, but you will suffer on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus knew it. And so our Savior came and He gave His life on the cross for you and me. And that's what this table is. This is the Lord's table, right? It's not the table of Oakland Bible Church. This is the table of the Lord. And the bread that will be distributed is a reminder that Jesus took on flesh, just like you and me. Everything that we are as a human being, Jesus was, but without sin. He had blood flow through his vein and arteries. He bled on the cross. When they nailed his wrists and his ankles on the cross and the blood spurted, that was blood. And when they dropped that, that cross into the ground and his body shook and the spear hit his side, he bled. There is a fountain filled with blood in Manuel's vein. And so we come rejoicing in this song of the road that the Lord is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. I am with you always. In the good as well as in the grief. In the smooth as well as in the stress and the tension. He is our song for the road. As we lift up our eyes to the hills, we know, Lord, you're the maker of heaven and earth. We trust in you and know that the best is yet to come. Let us bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes. And before we sing this beautiful, beautiful anthem, there is a fountain filled with blood. We have been invited in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that when we come to the table of the Lord, the Lord always invites us to make sure that we are ready to partake. In our readiness, we want to make sure that we think about his suffering, how he suffered a brutal death on the cross, so much so that he was beyond recognition. Let us remember that for a few moments now, how Christ suffered physically for you and me, how he shouldered our pain. Not only do we want to contemplate the physical suffering that our Savior went through, but more so, the suffering of being our sin. God made him who knew no sin to be our sin. 
He took upon himself our wickedness, our vile, vile transgressions, every thought, every sin, every wicked word and act. He shouldered our sin. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let us meditate and let us consider deeply with great love the suffering that Christ went through as our very sin. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you with our heart, with our mind, with our strength, our whole being. Because you love us. And you proved it. And you're always proving it. Thank you for being the keeper and protector of our souls that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in you, Christ Jesus the Lord. Lord Jesus, now we take these moments as you have invited us. Spirit of the living God, search us and know us as you do and please speak to each of us. And if there is any sin or sins that we have committed and have not confessed and owned up to, may we now listen to you, Spirit of the living God. Name them, if you would, so we can be examined by you and ourselves, and we can confess and agree with you that, yes, I said this, yes, I did, did this. Yes, I imagined this. Yes, I fantasized over this. I own it, Lord, that you'll forgive me because I want to be in holy communion with you before I partake. Speak to us, Lord, in these moments of silence. Oh, it feels so good, Lord, to be forgiven. Thank you, Spirit of God, for confirming in us we are the children of the Father. You have promised that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you that it's gone, gone, gone. Yes, our sins are gone. It's your blood the blood of you, Lord Jesus, that washes our sins away. There is no fountain like the fountain of your blood. We now celebrate you, Lord Jesus, as we sing this beautiful anthem and as the elders come forward and as we prepare the table to be able, Lord, to again celebrate who you are and what you've done for us. Take now our words, our joy, as we sing this beautiful, beautiful anthem of worship. There is a fountain, a fountain, your blood, Jesus. Amen.